Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. He has Parliament Hill on speed dial. And they know when the phone rings, no comment is not an option. This is the Roy Green Show. Not exactly a great couple of weeks for the Prime Minister of this country. And yesterday we spoke with Sean Simpson of Ipsos Polling, which was about their poll, which suggests if an election were held this weekend, Justin Trudeau would be defeated as Prime Minister of Canada and Andrew Scheer would be the PM designate. So uh, things are not going so well for sunny ways. And it's all his own doing. It is all his own doing. And in the next hour, what I'm going to do is follow up on our conversation yesterday with you. And we're going to go through a list of issues that the prime minister has dug for himself, holes he's dug for himself. You know, the old standard advice is when you're in the hole, stop digging. So that's the next hour. And we'll have your calls included. And we'll play some audio clips from Mr. Trudeau who would only get 33% of the vote if an election were held today. By the way, he only got 29% of the eligible voters in 2015. So that's the margin with which he won the majority government. There's a lot coming up, a lot coming up on the show today. But we're going to begin with this. For the last year plus on this program, we've been speaking with Bernice Thomas and with Gord Bibby. They are the sister and cousin, respectively, of Robert Hall who was traveling in the Philippines with his, on his sailboat. He was, as most of you know, he was kidnapped by the ISIS-affiliated group Abu Sayyaf Terrorist Organization. And uh, they murdered Mr. Hall, and they beheaded him. And the government of Canada has been spectacular in its absence of resolve to get anything done, other than to tell the families to shut up, to not talk to media. And that's what Mr. Hall's family has dealt with and shouldn't be talking to media, but they've continued to talk to me and to to you through me. And uh, a few weeks ago, Bernice Thomas actually went to Ottawa, flew to Ottawa, at the invitation of the federal government to meet with the global affairs minister, Christian Freeland, And RCMP, senior RCMP officers, remember the family was told that they weren't allowed to negotiate with the terrorists for their brother and cousin and family members' release. 
They'd be in serious trouble if they did that. So Bernice Thomas went to Ottawa, but before she went, she said, I want to meet with Justin Trudeau. And you're going to hear during the interview what happened when, when she raised that. So we spoke on Friday, late Friday afternoon, and you haven't heard this anywhere else. So listen now to Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby as they talk about the background, as they talk about the visit to Ottawa, as Bernice tells us what in fact happened when she met with Justin Trudeau, how he responded to the five demands the family had, how Christian Freeland responded and what the RCMP had to stay, say. And when I, uh, when I began, I, I asked um, Bernice this question, how did the trip to Ottawa come about? Have a listen. I think, truthfully, Roy, it's a little bit of being a dog on a bone, like just not letting go. Um, you know, I have, as my family has, and extended family and friends, uh, we have doggedly been reaching out to the government for well over two years now. It's been exhausting. And um, I, I think it's just perhaps they, they finally came to the conclusion we're not going away. And our media presence was perhaps getting a little more uh, far-reaching and a little louder. And, uh, and, and, and I think just, you know, covering their bums and doing a little bit of trying to do some damage control. I, I, I you know, I, I have to say perhaps on the part of the RCMP, it was the actual um, uh, movement towards uh, reconciling some of the difficulties and problems that they, they saw happening. Um, but I think very much so on the part of Global Affairs Canada and the government of Canada, it was um, a, a, appeasement, you know, just trying to to tamp things down so that they weren't in the spotlight. So if you had never had conversations with media, if you've never, if you'd never, both of you come on this program and spoke about your brother or your cousin and the frustrations that you've had to live with with Ottawa, you never would have been asked to go there. There would have been no interest in speaking with you. I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. I um, I mean, any any uh, sort of dialogue that has happened at all with Government of Canada has been, in my opinion, um, uh, brought about by our insistence that we want to talk to the government. We want to get to the bottom of this. We want to know what happened. We want to know the shortfalls, where they where they made mistakes, what they're going to do about that. And I think the government of Canada and Global Affairs Canada would have been completely content to just let this, you know, dissolve with sunset, like just not mention it again and, and continue on. Bernice, uh, you insisted that you have the opportunity to meet with Justin Trudeau, with the Prime Minister. How did that go over? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of resistance uh, was told, you know, we were invited to Ottawa and told that we were going to, you know, meet with um, higher end officials from Global Affairs Canada and from the RCMP, um, and which was, you know, I was happy to hear that. But I, I immediately began insisting that I wanted to speak to the Prime Minister because the buck stops with him. 
um, and was met with a lot of resistance. He's a busy guy, you know, so just resistance, resistance, resistance. And and while we were in Ottawa, we were literally hourly saying, when are we going to meet the Prime Minister? When are we going to sit down with him? And and just continue to push that agenda. Like, we need to speak to the man that was at the helm of this and making the decisions that the buck stopped with. We need to speak with them. And it was literally in the 11th hour that he agreed to speak with us. Gord, anything you want to add to this? No, really, I, I think it's uh, definitely uh, the persistence of, of, of the family and especially of Bonnie's uh, that... Uh, uh, she's like a pit bull. <laughs> she gets on and she just doesn't let go. And I think that's the direct result why uh, why the meetings were set up and also why she was able to meet with uh, the PM. Well, they did treat you rather shabbily for an extended period of time. They didn't really have any interest in looking after your affairs. They're quite happy to bring, and Trudeau has said this, he's quite happy to bring ISIS terrorists into Canada and says they'll be able to contribute considerably and extraordinarily to Canada going forward. Uh, and he had time to meet with Joshua Boyle and Boyle's family, but no time to meet with you until you're really pushed and you're demanded, Benny. So at what point of the of the proceedings did you meet Justin Trudeau? Was it close to the beginning or close to the end? It was the last day. The last day. Can we talk yeah. about can we talk about how that uh about how that uh meeting with Justin Trudeau went? Sure, sure. Tell us what sure, happened, we please. Were, um well, we were, um, you know, ushered into, of course, the, the house there, and um, he he took a meeting with us first thing in the morning. Um, you know, we were immediately told he's a very busy guy, he's only got so much time, and, you know, of course, that's understandable. Um, I got to say, when, when the door to his office opened and he took a look at us, he, he, looked, <laughs> he looked a little concerned trying to figure out who was who. Um, but, um, anyway, so we went in, we sat down with him and, um, um, you know, we were very clear with him initially that, uh, we weren't there for any reason other to, than to tell him what we wanted to see happen and, and that we wanted to see some accountability coming from him and his, his leadership and, um, and so we laid out um, what we call our five asks to him, which encompass, you know, a lot of what's been going on for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, discussed these five asks with him and um, got, you know, his assurances that he was, you know, none of it was impossible and he was, he was on it. And um, here we are still... So, waiting and you had a sense that he was genuinely interested in doing what your five asks were or was it more a case of i'll answer this and hopefully they'll leave well you know he is uh um he's uh he's a good player that guy like he's he's very very good at reading people and um and and uh, putting forth what he feels is correct for the situation. I mean, he seemed, he came across as very compassionate, uh, but, but, you know, I'm sorry, uh, my learned experience of dealing with Government of Canada is that 
um, they're not sincere and they're not compassionate and they want us to go away. And, and so that was what I was reading into everything is just, you know, I, you know, and he, and he did say some kind things, you know, I'll give him that and, and did show, show, you know, some compassion for what happened to my brother. But, but I think it, 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 it just, all of it feels like appeasement to me and, you know, it uh, and and based on what's happened since, was 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 not sincere. That's part one of my interview, my conversation with Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby. Now, if the federal government, if Mr. Trudeau and Christopher Freeland, the global affairs minister, and you know they're listening to this, because they were very critical of the family for speaking to media at all. So you know they're listening to this, and I suspect there'll be some fallout for the family for doing this interview, but there's a specific reason for doing it. Number one is to keep you informed about what's going on, and significantly important, and Benice pointed this out during our conversation on Friday, this family wants to make sure that any other Canadians who find themselves in the horrid situation that they suddenly discover themselves in do not have to live through what they experienced. Government indifference throughout. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and you'll hear part two of my interview with Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. You can listen back to this interview and download it or anything else that we broadcast on the program at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcast, RoyGreenShow.com in the podcasts. So my conversation with Bernice Thomas, the sister of Robert Hall and Gord Bibby, Robert Hall's cousin, continued about their visit to Ottawa and their time with the Prime Minister, with the Global Affairs Minister, Christian Freeland, and with the RCMP. Remember, as well, the family had put together the electronic petition 696, in which they had demanded an inquest into what had happened. And that petition was read into the record in Parliament, but nothing was done about it, even though the federal government had every opportunity. They have been foot-dragging and heel-dragging until... They became so flustered and embarrassed, I suspect, by the family's discussions with me and other media that they started to challenge them and then invited the family to Ottawa. Here's more of my conversation with Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby. And, um, yeah, just, just, just have a listen here. Well, I, you know, this, uh, the more I think about uh, the stalling and, and uh, the lack of compassion, whatever, I, I've, I somehow wonder if this just isn't a, uh, a component of big government, a big bureaucracy. I mean, are we expecting too much for our government to, uh, to actually do this? And uh, I'm beginning to think that it can't, although it, it should. It should. I mean, every Canadian should have the right to uh, to uh, security and uh, and certainly getting answers as to why why a loved one was uh, butchered in a foreign land. Uh, I uh, either that or the the people are incompetent. I I I don't know which way to take this. Yeah. Right. Other governments have 
stood up for their their citizens and have uh, interceded and helped, I believe, with ransom payments. Uh, this government has, has done none of the above. What would the key ask be, uh, Benice, that you had of, um, of uh, Justin Trudeau and of the uh, Global Affairs Minister? What was, what was most important to you? Well, I actually had five asks, or, or we had five asks, Roy, and they were all, all significant to us. Um, so I can quickly go through them. Sure. Um, our first ask was that, that the Prime Minister make a public statement, um, apology, if you will, and he can do that in the Commons or he can do it in front of, uh, you know, the te- television cameras, just for the, the, the bungled, the insensitive and disastrous handling of my brother's murder, in particular in relation to how our families were treated, and um, and asking him to make a commitment to um, to listen and make effective and, and meaningful change to policy within government to ensure that no family endures this again. So that was the first ask. Uh, the second ask was was just some help with my brother's remaining assets in um, in the Philippines navigating that um the third ask was that uh that the prime minister when when speaking with canadian companies that have international interests that that he start asking for commitments of monetary donations to the creation of an ngo along the lines of say hostage uk or hostage us that that can independently help families navigate this horror show uh, because we didn't have any help going through this and we were just at sea trying to figure out what was going on. So um, that would be very helpful. Um, One of the big asks was that moving forward, uh, new policies, new ways of being and doing by both the government and the RCMP go under the banner, banner of the Renova Protocols uh, Renova was the name of my brother's boat, and it and its its meaning is 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 uh, new growth and moving forward. And and I was pretty insistent. I want that legacy for my brother to move forward uh, to ensure that families are cared for and hostages. And then the fifth ask was um, for some significant financial compensation. We've got a really damaged family and layers of damaged family and we have grandchildren coming up that are going to need help when they start seeing the images that are rampant on the internet of their grandfather's murder um so so those are the five asks in a nutshell okay Um, and the the prime minister literally looked us in the eyes and 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 sincerely said none of this is impossible and i'm on it Mm, sounds like what he told Alison Azer. We will come back with remarkable people, remarkable family that's gone through so much and fights for the memory of their brother and cousin and family member and fights to help other Canadians. Bernice Thomas, Ward Bibby, part three of the interview in a minute. Looking for the truth and not worried about rattling some cages to get at it. This is the Roy Green Show.
And I was sitting uh, the last few minutes just thinking about how it is that anyone, anyone, could be indifferent to the absolute horror the family of Robert Hall and the family of John Ridsdale experienced. How could anyone be indifferent? And yet the federal government of Canada was at the very best indifferent. They did not respond. Christian Freeland, the global affairs minister, did not respond time and again uh, to, uh, to communications from Bernice Thomas. Time and again. Nothing. Nothing. How can you be so uncaring and so unfeeling? I know you have an agenda. And if it's not part of your agenda, it's just a distraction, I guess. I have an email here from uh, Sharon. My husband and I are listening to your program. And he wondered if he was right that he'd heard that special forces in Canada were ready and wanted to go and felt they could get Robert Hall out but were turned down. Is this the same incident? There had been talk, yes, that uh, special forces units from Canada, that would have been Joint Task Force 2, and the Americans and the Filipino uh, special forces were all ready to go. And then the story started to develop that it was a very difficult area and it would have been very difficult to get in. We, we understand that. That's why they're called special forces. And if those military minds feel they can get the job done, then let them do the job. There was talk that it was turned down at the highest levels in Canada. There was talk about that. Let me play now for you uh, part three of my conversation with Bernice Thomas and Gord Bibby about their brother and cousin and their family's desires and wishes and her visit to Ottawa to meet with Justin Trudeau, Christian Freeland, and the RCMP. Bernice, could you tell us who uh, in the government, among the elected members uh, of the government and of cabinet, you had an opportunity to actually speak with? Uh, so we spoke with, we had an audience with uh, the Prime Minister, Trudeau. We had an audience with uh, Foreign Affairs Minister, Christian Freeland, and uh, Omar Al-Gabra. Uh, so those were the, the, the sort of big catches in the government that we were able to speak to. Okay, and how did you come away with, what did you come away with after your conversations with Christian Freeland and Omar Al-Gabra? What, uh, what, what vibes did you get from those conversations? Um, again, you know, Freeland was very much like Trudeau, you know, the, the soft, you know, old, you know, sensitive, new age, whatever. Um, I, I literally didn't get any commitments of anything from Freeland. Uh, Omar Al-Gabra uh, dedicated that he would handle our second ask, which was to help us with uh, dealing with, in a, in, a, in a timely fashion, uh, my brother's assets that are still remaining in the Philippines. Uh, that hasn't come to fruition three and a half months later, so we're on that again. But um, uh, yeah, Freeland, it, it was, it was more, you know, they sh we should add cookies and tea. It was, you know, not very productive as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So, uh, but she heard us and, we, and I told her the five asks as well. Okay. You know, and, and she's very cordial, but, but sort of ineffective. Now, we also had the opportunity to meet with the RCMP. What can you share with us about mm -hmm. that? Senior members of the RCMP. Uh, 
so we yeah we so we had you know three days of meetings in Ottawa, and um, one of those days we spoke with very very high ranking uh, officials from Global Affairs Canada, and the top dogs from RCMP, um, international uh, RCMP, and um, you know I was. I, I went in there with a lot of distrust for the RCMP and for Global Affairs as well, but with the RCMP just because of the way we had been handled throughout all of this. And and I got to say, I was turned around by their their sincere compassion, their their sincere interest in what we had to say, and um, their sincere commitment to changing their way of doing things and understanding this ain't 1950 anymore. They have to get with a new way in a, in a new global scenario of dealing with these sorts of incidences and the fallout from them and the families that are involved. And, and so I, I must say I was, uh, I was impressed, and, and that doesn't mean to say that I haven't had to sort of stay on top of them too or we've had to stay on top of them to ensure that we're getting information from them. But they have made, you know, what what seem like very small movements forward, but they have made movements forward in a short period of time. Um, and and that, you know, gives me some hope that, that we were heard and that they are doing what they can to keep their commitments to our family. There's uh, something else that, that needs to be said, and uh, that is that you and your family are also doing this for Canadians generally, because we don't know oh, what, sure. right? We don't know which Canadian family is going to find themselves in similar circumstance, and how quickly that could occur, and you don't want any other Canadian family to experience the difficulties that that your family has experienced and continues to experience. Indeed, Roy. I mean, as I say, this isn't 1950 anymore. This is a very, very changed world. And uh, and I mean, just, you know, a month ago, a couple of Canadians were taken hostage. It was thankfully handled within under a week, I think, uh, with everybody coming out okay. But, you know, this this happens every day. Somebody is, is taken hostage every day all over the globe. And... Um, there has to be, like, I I wouldn't wish this nightmare on anybody. It's just been, it's been devastating mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, for for so many of us. It's just, and it and it goes on and on and on. And uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. So so you know I really take the the I take personally the responsibility to take our government to task, to say, fix this. Because it, uh, it, in this day and age, this, this is not how, how, how we care for people. A remarkable woman, really remarkable woman, Bernice Thomas. She has the, the strength and the determination to make Ottawa listen. You just think about the horror that family experienced day after day after day. Initially, there was a kidnapping. And then they were told that they could not and they should not and they were not allowed to, by law, to negotiate for the release of their brother, their cousin, their family member, Robert Hall. If they hired somebody, that would be a violation of the criminal code. 
That has now apparently changed somewhat. But you think about everything the family has gone through. It's impossible for any of us to put ourselves into their position. We can think we can try, but we don't possibly know what it's like. We have no idea. And where do you look for support? In an international crisis, which involves your family member, a Canadian, where do you look for support? You look to the federal government of this country. And you expect at least some level of compassion. You expect at least some level of in involvement. You expect at least to be cut, kept up to date. You expect the channels of communication to be open. And you expect them to do whatever they can, they being the government, do whatever they can to create the, uh, the necessary dynamics to have the family member released. We spoke with an Australian man who was released by the very same group, Abu Sayyaf. The Australian government got involved, and he was released. Canadian government did essentially nothing. And when Trudeau was in, in the Philippines some months ago, he really had very little to offer as far as Robert Hall and John Ridsdale were concerned when reporters asked questions. He said something to the effect of, yeah, we, uh, we believe we've heard that the, uh, the individuals, the terrorists who killed the two Canadians are now dead themselves, which to me sounded for all the world like what would have been the point to send the military in because... They're not alive. That's what it sounded like. So Mr. Trudeau told Bernice Thomas that nothing is impossible. Nothing is off the table. And I'm on it, he said. Which again sounded like what he said to Alison Azer. That's what Alison told us about her four children. Who, as far as I know, are still not back in Canada. Uh, Alison really doesn't want to talk publicly anymore from the last conversation we had. But remember, there was petition 696 that the family had out, an electronic petition was read into the record in Parliament. You can still make a difference. You can still get a hold of your MP. You can still get a hold of your closest cabinet minister. You can still communicate with the prime minister or the prime minister's office and let them know what your expectations are. Because who knows who the next Canadian family will be. And whoever the next Canadian family will be, and there will be one, and probably more than one, they deserve to be treated far better, with far more consideration, far more professionalism, far more determination, far more initiative than Robert Hall's family has been treated with. I'm going to stay in touch with Benice Thomas and with Gord Bibby, and when there is need to add information, we will. We'll come back in a minute with Joe Warmington. Stay with us.